Well, I've got nothing. Look. April Fool's. Thanks, Dave. Will you pray with me, please? God, we're here because we know the message. We already know what happened. So give us the ears to hear and eyes to see, faith strong enough to believe, but especially to trust you that you've included us, not because of how well we behave or how much we know, but because we belong. In Christ we pray. Amen. Well, I, I remember what it was like to be an outsider once. Several years ago, I did a couple of funerals for some members of a motorcycle club. All the guests were wearing black leather jackets, black leather pants, black boots, some wore bandanas. The deceased man's motorcycle was there next to the casket along with his black leather jacket complete with patches. Imagine how I felt when I walked into that chapel wearing a suit and tie. I stuck out like a thumb. It was obvious I didn't belong. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like an outsider? People were using language that you didn't know words in English, and yet it was jargon exclusive to them. With that, let me say again, welcome to Broadmoor Baptist Church. Whether you are in black leather or seersucker, jeans or dress, you are welcome in this place because God's grace welcomes all. Back in 1950s and 60s, back in the heyday of organized religion, there was here in our country a pattern that we live by on Sundays. We woke up on Sunday, we got into our dress clothes, we went to Sunday school and then to worship, and then we topped it off with a pretty hearty lunch. You quickly found, if, the, if you were new, a respectable church to attend. And if you were new, you would attend a new member's class to understand what these Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, or Catholics believed. And perhaps by the end of the class, you could confess too that you believed what they believed. In the meantime, though, you watched what others did, how they behaved. Or they taught you how to behave in church. People wear this. People don't wear this. We stand for this. We appreciate this music. We can conduct ourselves in this manner. And so forth. And finally, you might join the church. Become a member. And then you belong. Believe. Behave. And then belong. That was the pattern. Many of you may recognize that 
from your own past experience. It was very effective on bringing people in and integrating them into a believing community. But if you pay attention to what Jesus did, how he worked, he transformed individuals that were confused, even those who were reluctant, into disciples. He didn't follow that pattern very well. Peter and Andrew were out fishing one day. Jesus comes up to them and says, follow me. And they leave. Later they learn how to behave and then come to belief. Matthew is collecting taxes one day. Jesus comes to him, follow me. And he gets up and follows him. Over and over again, that pattern of belonging first. Jesus bursts the old pattern to say, you belong, follow me, I'll teach you how to behave. You'll come to believe. In our scripture today, just look how the disciples and Mary respond to the idea that Jesus was resurrected. There were people, these were people who had spent years with Christ. They had spoken with Christ numerous times, face to face, heard him talk of his death and his resurrection. He made analogies to it. He looked them in the eye and communicated with them. He warned them what was to come. These were insiders, people in the know. They had even seen firsthand Jesus raise someone from the dead. And yet, it says the disciples ran away and they did not understand. And Mary, Mary talks to a stranger at the tomb who confirms Jesus is in here. She wept. She was confused. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're not exactly sure how you're supposed to behave and you're not exactly sure what you believe and what we believe, then you're in the right place. Because none of us here knows enough or behaves well enough to save ourselves. On Easter, the people who were the most in the know, the established members of Christ's little band of followers, his little church, did not know what was going on. Mary mistakes him for a gardener. Peter and Christ's best friend run in disbelief, skeptical, search for evidence, leave without understanding. They weren't even close to having all this figured out. You would think that by now they would have their doctrines and their beliefs, their behaviors all nailed down, right? You might expect these insiders to show some behavior that exemplified steadfast and unwavering faith, right? But it's pretty clear they're not sure what's real. They all behave so strangely. It's in our doubt, in our disbelief, our uncertainty, our ignorance, our confusion that Jesus comes to us 
and reveals himself to us. Everything changed when the gardener approached a crying Mary and spoke her name. Mary. Mary, it's me. It all begins to fall into place. But it's in reverse order. The old pattern got flipped, you see. The insiders were now outsiders, and outsiders are insiders. Those who don't believe belong. Those who don't behave belong. And remember, soon after this, in Luke 24, it happens again. Jesus is walking along as a stranger, encounters two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They invite him to eat with them at their house. He goes, and the stranger stands. He takes the bread, he breaks it, he blesses it. It's in that moment they finally recognize him. All of this is to say that whether you're a member of this church or you're a visitor, you belong. Whether this is the first time you've heard the Easter message or it's an old message that you've heard time after time after time. You belong. Before you know how to behave, before you say the magic word, before you know enough, we may not recognize him, but he knows us. We may not see him, but he sees us. He knows your name. Hear him say your name. Mary had an experience with Jesus as a young woman. Long ago, Luke and Mark's account tell us that early in Jesus' ministry, he encounters Mary and her life was a mess. It was a mess. It says that he cast seven demons from her. You don't forget an exorcism if you're the one being exorcised. But the Jesus that stands before her, she does not recognize. Jesus says, whom are you looking for? Maybe it's just been too much time between her, the exorcism, that dramatic experience, and this moment when she desperately needs to be known and to be forgiven. Maybe she's been listening to her teacher for so long, trying so hard to believe, trying so hard to be behave as she believes she's supposed to. And then Jesus, the gardener, says her name. I recently read a story in the book called Proof. Daniel Montgomery and Timothy Paul Jones. They share this true story to share with you. Timothy says, Our middle daughter had been previously adopted by another family. He says, I'm sure this couple had the best of intentions, but they never quite integrated this little girl into her biological family 
along with her biological children. After a couple of rough years, he says, they dissolved the adoption. He says, we ended up welcoming this eight-year-old little girl into our family. For one reason or another, he said, whenever the previous family vacationed at Disney World, they took their biological children with them, but they didn't take their newly adopted daughter with them. In her mind, he says, this happened because she did something wrong. She was bad. And so, he says, by the time we adopted our daughter, she had seen many pictures of Disney World, and she had heard many stories about the rides and the characters and the parades. But when it came to passing through the doors of Magic Kingdom, she had always been on the outside. He says, once I found out about this history, I began making plans for our family to attend Disney World, as soon as I found a speaking engagement that took our family to that part of the country. So the time came. He said, what I didn't expect was that the prospect of visiting this dream world would produce a stream of, he says, downright devilish behavior in our newest daughter. He says, in the month leading up to our trip, to the Magic Kingdom, she stole food, which she could have had if she had asked. He says she whispered insults to her sisters, meant to deeply hurt them. She lied, which would have been easier just to tell the truth. He says as days moved closer and closer to our trip, the mutinies multiplied. He said, a couple of days before our, our family headed to Florida for our trip, I pulled my daughter into my lap and I asked her about her actions. She said, I know what you're going to do. She said, you're not going to take me to Disney World, are you? He said, that thought had never crossed my mind. But suddenly it began to make sense why she spiraled. She knew she couldn't earn her way to Disney World. She had tried that before and failed. So she was living in a way that placed her as far from that magical place as she could. He says, in retrospect, I'm embarrassed to admit that in the moment I was tempted to turn her fear to my own advantage. He says, the easiest response to her would have been, if you don't start behaving better, you're right, we won't take you. He said, but by God's grace, I didn't say it. He said, instead, I said this, is this trip something we're doing as a family? She nodded with teary eyes. He said, are you part of this family? She nodded again. He said, then you're going with us. And sure enough, he said, you are part of this family. We are not leaving you behind. In our hotel room at the park, he said, 
a very different child emerged. She was exhausted from the rides, pensive, a little weepy at times. But he said the month-long series of rebellious actions had faded. When bedtime rolled around, he said, we prayed together and I asked her, how was your first day at Disney World? She closed her eyes, snuggled down into her stuffed unicorn. After a few moments, she opened her eyes ever so slightly. He said, she said, Daddy, I finally got to go to Disney World. But it wasn't because I was good. It was because I'm yours. Friends, here's my Easter confession. I don't fully understand the resurrection. I certainly don't understand God's grace. I never will, and you never will. None of us will ever behave the way we think we're supposed to, ever behave good enough to save ourselves. None of us will ever believe perfectly. Some came to Easter this morning grieving. Some came doubting. Some came rushing. And others came wondering. Whatever brought you this morning, you're in the right place. You have a place here because you belong. Showing up to church is a good start. Happy Easter. Pray with me, please. God, many of us feel like failures because we behave so poorly. We feel we just can't earn that magical place you've offered. Help us to know we are yours and to trust it. Many of us this morning are grieving. We've lost someone dear to us and they would be next to us. We pray, speak our name, and bring comfort. Some of us are rushing, Lord, and we've missed, we've missed the message, running from this place to that. Help us to find time to listen. And some are wondering and doubting. We pray that you don't doubt us and that you hold us through our doubts. Lord, for this good news we've come, we pray that we'll leave different than we came. In Christ we pray. Amen. Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary. 
the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app. Or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.